Congregation, let us now take our Bibles. Let us read God's Word. And this afternoon, connection with Laws 28, let's read Luke 22, verses 14 to 23. And after that, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 20. First reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 22, starting at verse 14. And when the hour came, he, that is the Lord Jesus, they reclined at table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I tell you, that from now on I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup is poured out for you. Is the new this cup that is put out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of him who betrays me is with me on the table. For the Son of Man goes as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to question one another which of them it could be who was going. To do this. So far, reading from Luke 22, let's now turn to Paul's first letter to the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians, chapter Paul writes, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. 
if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Thus our reading from God's Word. Let's now also turn to our confessions, summary of God's Word. And we have come up to Lord's Day 28 of the Heidelberg Catechism. You'll find that on page 542 in our Book of Praise. Question answer 75. How does the Lord's Supper signify and seal to you that you share in the Christ's one sacrifice on the cross and in all his gifts? In this way, Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup in remembrance of him. With this command, he gave these promises. First, as surely as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me and the cup given to me, so surely was his body offered for me and his blood poured out for me on the cross. Second, as surely as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord as sure signs of Christ's body and blood, so surely does he himself nourish and refresh my soul to eternal life with his crucified body and shed blood. Question number 76. What does it mean to eat the crucified body of Christ and to drink his shed blood? First, to accept with a believing heart all the suffering and the death of Christ and so receive forgiveness of sins and life eternal. Second, to be united more and more to his sacred body through the Holy Spirit, who lives both in Christ and in us. Therefore, although Christ is in heaven and we are on earth, yet we are flesh of his flesh and bone of his bones, and we forever live and are governed by one Spirit, as the members of our, as the members of our body are by one soul. Question answer 77. Where has Christ promised that he will nourish and refresh believers with his body and blood as surely as they eat of this broken bread and drink of this cup? In the institution of the Lord's Supper, the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also he took the cup after the supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. This promise is repeated by Paul where he says, The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? And the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. So far our confession.
In response to the preaching, we'll sing hymn 59, stanza 1. Congregation of Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, can you remember the last time you celebrated the Lord's Supper? According to the church bulletin, was on the 18th of June. Just a question. Did you, did you enjoy celebrating the Lord's Supper? Because the, the celebration of our Savior's death is, is always a, a festive and a, and a comforting moment on our Sunday to Sunday journey towards Christ's return. Yet on a practical level, the, the table in, in front of the church here neatly covered with a white tablecloth with the cups, the plates of bread, that usually evokes a lot of emotion. Unfortunately, not, not everyone experiences feelings of, of awe and, and gladness. I don't think that all members are actually looking forward to celebrate the Lord's Supper Sundays. And those, especially the young ones, could dread this celebration. Maybe they ask, oh, do, we have Lord, do we have Lord's Supper again? Even some attending the, the table could, could be less enthusiastic. And for them it's not always because of indifference, but, but a certain measure of, can we say, embarrassment? We're celebrating this, this sacrament, a feeling of sadness. Because every Lord's Supper reminds them of, of unsolved family issues or broken relationships that, that, that seem impossible to, to restore. Some don't uh, doesn't enjoy the the Lord's Supper so much because they struggle struggle with a particular sin in their lives, which they just can't manage to break with completely. Our lack of joy may may also be caused by by the frequency of our celebration. Not sure how often you celebrate, but at least four times, maybe six times a year. And on one hand, having it only a handful of times a year has an advantage because everyone then realizes the uniqueness and the, um, the sanctity of the sacrament where the focus is on self-examination, the, the visual signs, the, the uniqueness or, or the unique nature of the church service. On the other hand, if we would celebrate every month, or every fortnight for that matter, then one would have more or less uh, have to make an effort to, to experience 
to experience the Lord's Supper as, as a joyful feast. So throughout the history, Lord's Supper celebration remains a controversial topic. Yet, brothers and sisters, it remains also a true, joyful celebration. Bread and wine. The true gospel of the table, if you can call it this way, the, the gospel of, of joy. But why is it such a, a delight to celebrate the Lord's Supper? And how can we have or experience this joy in the table gospel even more? That will be our focus this afternoon as I preach to you the Word of God. So we confess it in Laws 28 under the theme, the joy of the table gospel. It results from, first, the remembrance of our Savior's death. Second, the unity with our Savior and His body. And third, the expectation of His return. The joy of the table gospel it results from, first place, the remembrance of our Savior's death. Brothers and sisters, our confession uh, deals in this sacrament, uh, uh, with the sacrament over, over three Lord's days. We'll say 28, 29, and 30. And now we'll say 28, our confession focuses on the, on the celebration itself. Next, next week in, in Lord's Day 29, we'll go deeper into the, the presence of Christ in the sacrament. And then in Lord's Day 30, we'll deal with the, the question, who is to come to the table of the Lord? And then the, the preparation is discussed, and the, the question about the admonition and of, of hypocrites and those living in sin at the Lord's table ask, requires our attention. So when we focus this afternoon on Lord's Day 28, it's mainly about the celebration itself. And the first element is that the Lord's Supper is, is a, a commemoration meal, dish. Celebration. In question answer 77, the, the, the Catechism quotes two passages from Paul's letter to the Corinthians describing the historical moment that our Lord Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. And so the first three Gospels in the New Testament talk about this, each in its own way, how Jesus instituted this celebration right before his crucifixion and death. And Paul, the Apostle Paul put it all together in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23 to 26, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, etc. And Paul seeks to, to emphasize uh, Jesus' words, which he says when he said, do this in remembrance of me. Now, our confession uh, has this same emphasis in question answer 75. Why this remembrance? And what is the joyful element of this remembrance? Well, brothers and sisters, during the celebration of the Passover meal in, in Jerusalem, Jesus speaks at the breaking of the bread, and, and a bit later, while lifting the, the third cup, saying, 
Remember my death. Now in the Passover celebration, there were originally four cups. The third cup is the, the cup of joy, the cup of blessing. It is remembering with a delightful heart, calling to mind what Jesus has done. And so the Passover celebration was, was originally a meal in which God's deliverance of His people from the slavery of Egypt was commemorated and joyfully celebrated. This remembrance that happened at the Passover was more than just remembering the facts of the event. It was, it was instead a, a reliving, a renewed experience of, of the exodus from Egypt. It is as if they experienced God's act of salvation, as if they would walk through the Red Sea again. And, and in a sense, the Lord's Supper is the same. Looking at the bread and the wine brings back memories. Jesus emphasizes the remembrance of His cross and His victory in bread and wine. He wants us to, to experience the reality, the joyful reality of His sacrifice 2,000 years ago. This means the Lord's Supper is like, uh, like a holy baptism. It's a sacrament of the Lord. It's a sign and a seal. It's a sign in that sense that it is visible right before our eyes. You can take it. You can taste it. Broken bread, wine poured into a cup and handed over to you. It is as if you're standing again on Golgotha at the foot of the cross in the Spirit. It is as if we can say you see His eyes looking with love upon you. As if you hear His words spoken on the cross. So when we participate in Lord's Supper creation, we are rejoicing that God has declared us to be worthy, even though we are not worthy. We rejoice because of what Christ has done. He has turned God's wrath from us. It is a festive time. To remember that our chains have been broken. That we've been liberated from bondage. From the bondage of sin and hell. If someone walks out after a jail sentence. Walks out and he's free. Is he or she somber? No. Delighted. Glad. Joyful. And the same for us. And so this... The sign of bread and wine signifies the, the genuineness, the trueness, the reality 
of our liberation, of our freedom, of our salvation. And it's not only, only a, a sign, but also a seal. Because by eating the bread and, and drinking from the cup, I may be sure that his atoning sacrifice also applies to me, to you and me, personally. And we often hear the expression, as certain as. This means that Christ is so close to me, I can nearly touch him. He's so close to me as a crucified and risen Savior. And so as I take the bread and drink from the cup, so gently may I remember, believe, and trust that He personally gave Himself for me. That He personally forgave all my sins. That I am His and have eternal life very personally. That's amazing. You think about it. And this gives us true joy. This joy is not just a moment of emotional impulses, a a warm, fuzzy feeling, but it is a, a continuous, profound experience of true delight in God through His Spirit. I think we can say that we... This, this delight is felt more, more in, in your soul than by being visible by a facial expression. It's, it's a real deep joy that no one can take from you. It's a joy that, that elevates itself in thankful praise. Praise be to you, Christ, that you, have, that you gave bread and wine to remind me of your incredible power of salvation also for me by grace we have been saved this is the joy of the the gospel at the table visual gospel I am saved we are saved and this table joy is also worked in the second place by the unity with our savior and his body And this, brothers and sisters, is addressed in question answer 76. It's not only remembering with a believing heart what Christ did for me, for us, and and faithfully accepting it. No, in the celebration, the living Lord Himself comes to us personally through His Spirit. And He shares Himself and His life with us in bread and wine. He has communion with us. He gives Himself spiritually to us. And we entrust ourselves in faith to Him. The Bible says that He is in us and we are in Him through His Spirit. You could say, this is the heart, the, 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 the emphasis of the sacrament, true unity with Him. We are profoundly united with Him at the table through His Holy Spirit, who lives in Christ and lives in us. By the Holy Spirit, or in other words, by or through faith. Now with this in mind, if you sit at the table with this in mind, we know that Christ, even though that He is bodily, that He is physically in heaven, 
through His Spirit is, is so close to us. He, he's our host at the table. He's, he's there. The celebration of the sacrament not only puts us back at the foot of the cross, but we meet our living Lord in His visual word and, and, and in this table proclamation. We unite in fellowship with our Lord who fulfilled all the Old Testament promises for His people, but also fulfilled all the New Testament promises, of which one is very striking, very comforting, very delightful, when He said, Behold, I am with you all the days until the end of the world. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. I'm with you. Particularly at the table. And in this communion, in this unity, we also intensely connect to the other members of Christ's body. The body of which Christ is the head. It's a body that is filled and and guided by one spirit. And this is an an essential aspect of our joyful celebration of the sacrament. It is a meal where different people sit together around the table and share the same bread and wine. Yeah, share Christ as the bread of life. And in our Lord's Supper form, bread and wine, the signs of Christ's body and blood, also very accurately interpreted as images of the communion between believers. As one bread is baked out of many grains, and one wine is pressed out of many grapes, so we all, incorporated by, in Christ by faith, are together one body. One body. And, and, and the words baked and pressed, you hear something of, of, the, something of the difficulty and the, the pressure in which we individually and together share in the communion of Christ's suffering. Also in our intense mutual connections. And yet the table gospel gives us immense joy. Because we look at one another at the Lord's Supper table like family at a wedding celebration. We hope and expect that the other one will also be present to celebrate with us. We realize that Christ gave himself not only to me, but also to my spiritual sibling, my brother, my sister. And thus, he unites us. He made us one family to care for one another, for one another's complete well-being in terms of faith, but also helping to answer hard questions, support one another in sadness, walk alongside one another in days of joy. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 and 18, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. 
But now God has set the members, each of them, in the body, just as he pleased. And how wonderful, how joyful it is indeed to, to do this in a symbolic way here in front of the church during the Lord's Supper. You know, when you have an ordinary meal at home with friends, family, or especially when you have a celebration, you're not just sitting down looking at the food and thinking, well, how, how fast can I get my tummy full? That's not the purpose. We sit down to share the food, to meet one another, to share our lives together, to listen to each other, support and comfort one another. And from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, it, it appears as if an ordinary meal of, of members of the church preceded the celebration of the Lord's Supper. But there was a strong link between the, the regular daily bread and the heavenly bread. The first displayed mutual care and fellowship. But only based on the second, sharing the salvation in Christ. And so when you look at the bread, if you look at the wine, it alluded to love and care for each other, not only in the church, not only at the table, but also in ordinary life. Congregation, to enjoy this fellowship with Christ and through Him with each other, we, we consciously look at the bread and wine. And we praise Him. Lord, thank You for loving me. Thank You for loving us so much. And thus give Yourself to us so that we too can and should love one another. And this love is not just a, a fuzzy feeling. It is a true, out of this world love. A love that is worked in our hearts by the Spirit. And again, just as with baptism, the question is, do you also have to feel that unity and experience the spiritual unity? And that everyone can see it on your face? Maybe not always on your face. Maybe you don't always look at the person that you desire for the relation to be restored. But, but yes, yes, you feel that unity. That you experience that spiritual unity through the Word, through the bread and the wine which you use together. Because you, you do so through and in faith. And this faith is not a cold, disconnected faith. It's not just a few facts in your head. It is a sincere trust in Christ and a growing trust and rejoicing of being a member with all the others of His body. As genuine as we receive the bread Christ truly expresses His nearness to us. Nothing can separate us from Him. We are His family. But therefore, also nothing can separate us from one another. And we are called to, 
to not separate ourselves. We need to look at one another as we look at a body. As Paul said, not everybody's food is a foot, not everybody is a, a hand. God made us who we are in His body, in His congregation. And when you look at the bread and wine, it reminds you of your place, but also that of your brother and sister in the body. And you rejoice. Thank you, Lord, for giving my sister, my brother, the gifts, the talents, the love, the forgiveness in His unique way, and that I may enjoy it too. Brothers and sisters, it's only a... Can I say a stubborn heart of a rock? A heart that needs to be made flesh. That would deliberately ignore this joy, this, this reality. And if we resist or even block this sincere delight from rising in our hearts because of our own personality or our own stubbornness, the danger is, is that, that we behave like pagans doing their rituals. We need to be cautious. We need to really think through what we do at the table. That we force ourselves to think when we see the bread and wine that we do so with joy next to my brother and sister. So may the confession and the awareness of the table gospel of our unity with Christ and with each other, also at our next Lord's Supper, cause true joy, true delight in the hearts of each one of us. And the joy and delight of the table gospel is in the last place also worked by the expect- expectation of his return. Loved ones, brothers and sisters, the third phrase we hear at the celebration of the Lord's Supper is that of expectation, longing. And Paul mentions this in, in his sacramental teaching in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. He proclaimed the Lord's death until he comes. Do you sense Paul's desire to see Christ appearing on the clouds? Are you looking forward? Every time you sit at the Lord's Supper table, are you looking forward for our Lord to appear on the clouds, to return? Or does it scare you, if you are very honest? Do the table gospel cause you to, to put away the angst and pray for a renewed Longing, intense longing to meet your Savior in person. Francis, every Lord's Day celebration refreshes this, this expectation, this desire, this longing, this hope of complete salvation. It's our biggest desire, isn't it? I know we have all plans for tomorrow and for this week and for the next year. Maybe you want to get married or you want to have children or you have all kinds of ideas about the future. Your business, your work, career. It's nothing compared to what awaits us when Christ returns. I know we don't always feel this. We want God to just hang in there. Just, just, just want to fix this. I want to do this. 
Or worse, when we have a family member who is wayward, we're like, Lord, just hang in there. I just want my family member to come to faith or come back to the church. Brothers and sisters, this is not what we celebrate. The celebration of Lord's Supper reminds us and works in us that joy, joy. Lord, Maranatha, come back, return. Unfortunately, this, is spe- this aspect of Christ's return is not explicitly covered in the question and answers of Lord's Day 28. It's somewhat remarkable because at yeah, the time our confession was written, was a difficult time for, for many believers, Reformed believers. You could be put on the stake for your faith, for the way you look at the Lord's Supper under the Roman Catholic Inquisition. And, and, and this, this aspect of, of expectation, joyful expectation, though, is somewhat lacking. Yet, at the end of answer 76, it is stated that we are assured of eternal life because we forever live and are governed by one spirit. And in a sense, this, this expresses a certain level of, of expectation, desire. On his day, he will appear and he will complete and fulfill all his promises. Even though his kingdom has not yet been revealed completely, he is coming. Every time you look at the bread and wine, you sense that desire, that longing. He is coming with his glorified body. Even though he is visible in bread and wine and gives us a lot of delight and joy. And we recognize and we praise him in faith for this beautiful gift, this beautiful sacrament. Yet we long for his return. Because we know to him belongs all power and glory and majesty. And we are longing to see that. Not out of curiosity, but for his glory's, for his glory's sake. And that's why we pray with even more expectation at the Lord's Supper table. Grant us your grace that we may take up our cross joyfully. Deny ourselves and confess our Savior. And in all tribulation, yes, there is tribulation. There is hardship. There is relationships that are in a bad condition. But in all tribulation, let us await our Lord Jesus Christ who will come from heaven. Congregation, our Lord often portrayed the kingdom as a meal or a wedding reception. And the same image is used in, in the last Bible book. As Jews at a Passover meal used to say to one another, until next year in Jerusalem. Similar, every celebration of the Lord's Supper awakens a joyful expectation in us. And we can say that to one another. Until next time in the kingdom of Christ at the table of the Lamb. You sense that expectation? Can we say it this way? Every time we celebrate the Lord's Supper, it should be something in our heart like, I hope this is the last one. Because I'm looking for the big one. Longing, desiring to be 
at the table of the Lamb. And so, Francis, our Lord um, wants us to, to experience the ultimate joy that one can ever experience. If this does not touch your heart, if this if, if, if it causes indifference or ignorance in your heart, don't be surprised that the next Lord's Supper table will be a sad event or annoying event. Because there's no expectation. There's no joy. There's no sharing in, in this eternal happiness. If the Lord's Supper table is a tradition, it's only a, a custom that we have, if it is boring, then heaven will also be boring. But if the love and the joy and expectation is there, we can remember, unified with great expectations, celebrating the Lord's Supper. And of course, we will not always experiencely, in, intensively, all three aspects of remembrance, unity, and expectation. We are broken, we are sinful, and we, we have to live with that as well, sadly as it is. But in all three elements, Christ, through His Spirit, comforts, empowers, encourages us, and fills us with awe and joy. And it also makes a difference under which circumstances we, we celebrate the Lord's Supper. Where are our thoughts? What's going on in our daily lives? Are we experiencing grief or loneliness? God knows that too. God knows how troubled our hearts could be, even on a Lord's Supper celebration. How sad we can be, how disturbed we can be by circumstances. And yet, He wants to give us true joy. And therefore, it's reasonable to include all three aspects in our celebration. Remembrance, unity, and expectation. And, and what could help us to increase this, this joy? Well, prayer, of course. Come prepared, pray to the Lord. But may I give you also another tip? To enhance your joyful uh, table, to, to enhance the joyful table gospel? It's simply in just reading the form in your book of praise, reading that along when the minister reads it. Yeah, you'll be better focused. Even if it feels a bit long at times, it helps you to refresh your mind of the good reasons to celebrate with joy. And plus, it allows you to push away critical thoughts on all the outward elements of our celebration. The taste of the bread, or the taste of the wine, or the minister doing that, or that. Read together the form. It also creates, again, that desire in us for the communion with Christ and His body. It kindles our expectation for His return but at least four or six times a year. A desire that is truly not disruptive or tedious. And, and young people, boys and girls, and others who remain seated in the pews during the celebration, when you attentively listen 
to the Bible reading at each table and also sing along when we sing at the table, it could help you to, to focus, to refocus and to enjoy the celebration even more. We don't have to get nervous when there's a bit of silence during the celebration. Instead, ask the Lord quietly while you sit there. Ask the Lord to, to kindle in you too awe and reverence and praise in your heart. Pray for Christ's Spirit to, to use the table gospel to, to strengthen your faith and your expectation as well and even more. And when you see members sitting at the table with sober facial expressions, don't think that they are grumpy or without joy. A straight face is not the same as a pathetic face. Nobody needs to look overexcited or over serious or act as if they are. Just be yourself. Just come in faith with heartfelt joy. Let us sit here as glad people who are longing for Christ. And in this sense, one could say that sometimes we must learn to celebrate the Lord's Supper properly. And if you struggle to receive the gospel of the table with joy, share your troubles with your closest friends, brothers, sisters, or with your elders. They are generally quite encouraging and, and helpful. And look for those, we could say, psychological barriers. And l learn to let, let go of them. So you can use your energy to focus more on Christ himself. Identify those barriers and pray about them, that the Lord will remove them. Then the Lord's Supper celebration will remain one of the, the most joyful events in our worship services throughout the year, just as joyful as a baptism. And it will ultimately bring more honor and praise to our Lord and Savior as we prepare ourselves for His return for the judgment of this world, and for the marriage feast of the Lamb. To Him, our host at the table, indeed be all honor and praise and joy. Amen.